This is the Convergent Science Network podcast. Leading researchers in the domain of neuroscience, brain theory and technology are interviewed by Paul Verschur and Tony Prescott. This is Paul Verschur with the Convergent Science Network uh, podcast. And I'm here with uh, Vincent Hayward. Welcome, Vincent. Um, who spoke today at our BCBT 2018 uh, summer school. So, Vincent, your, um, your, your, your focus in, in your research, I mean, also coming from engineering, is very much haptics. And um, do you think haptics is a specialized sense, or do you think, uh, do you think it sort of follows the same general principles of organization that we might find in other senses as well? Yes, uh, that's, that's a complicated question. Uh, um, so my answer is like yes and no. It's a very uh, easy answer. In the, what I think is uh, uh, the case is that the, there must be there must be general principles that are common to senses there is no doubt uh, just it's not idea like the gestalt held that uh, view that you had the perceptual principles and they uh, spend many years actually finding them and 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 they do exist uh, uh, this morning we talked about uh, illusions, for example, and, and quite a number of, of uh, visual illusions have direct tactile counterparts, but many don't. And so that uh, um, indicates that actually the uh, haptic, haptic, so, so uh, in the sense of the mechanical relationship we have with the world, really occupies a, a, a specialized uh, niche in, in our being uh, if only because it's the uh, uh, function that make us um, habilis you know uh, animals that can manipulate uh, or walk or, or run you know efficiently <coughs> So, uh, of, and, and but, but the haptics is uh, of course not special to humans. Uh, worms have it, even paramecium have it. <coughs> uh, so yeah, so that's that's. Um, it's so unfortunate that actually it's a topic that's so ignored. Uh, when it's uh, in reality so important. Uh, but but it, now you you are a biased observer of that. Right? Yes. So, yeah. But the thing is, well, this, from an evolutionary perspective, you could argue that the very first uh, modality is touch, is mechanical sensing and chemical sensing. Yes. Right? Well, if uh, I I don't I, I don't know if we know much about really uh, uh, early animals. Huh? But we do have them, like paramecium. It's been there for a long time, I, would, I suppose. And no, it, but it, you it, could even, <laughs> if you want to radicalize that, you could also say, look, molecular interactions are all about shape. Shape interactions are all about shapes touch, touching. 
Uh, so that the most fundamental level, even at, at this sort of um, pre-single cell organism, um, we talk about touch, shapes, colliding. Colliding, yeah, yeah. So Mechanical, maybe, yeah. every question yeah. should be turned around and we say, well, maybe it's the other modalities that have been built on the principles of touch. Could be, right? could so, be, yeah. So would you find that they're useful? But, but I'm not sure if there's, if there's a, a reason to have a, um, first of all, there's no hierarchy, like often uh, uh, it is discussed, that there's no sense that's better than other. They are there for a reason. <coughs> and uh, uh, so there's no, uh, so touch is not better than vision or it's just, Touch is touch, and vision is vision, audition is audition, and and in the history of uh, uh, the development of uh, animals, I don't, I'm not sure that one came before or after. I, I don't think that's an important question. Uh, very early uh, organism were sensitive to light. Plants are sensitive to light. I mean, there's uh, this very much an anthropomorphic projection we we put on on having to you know uh, put things in in a in a sequence <coughs> as if uh, yeah but it's also mm -hmm. finding a heuristic right it's, it's sort of to try to, f to to find a way through the, the complexity of of the organization of perceptual systems yeah so you can say well look uh, touch is like like the principles of touch are also can be generalized to let's say yeah addition. well uh, one we discussed earlier is constancy yeah that's a really really uh, fundamental principle which uh, um, uh, is equally important in all modalities i mean if you didn't have constancy your whiskey would really taste terrible because <coughs> you would have all the different chemical you know reactions and uh, or uh, anything you looked at would be uh, a big blur, <coughs> and yeah. So, so that's that's a, that's a really a common need. For but now, for if you take if you take a worm, um, which will also have a sense of touch, right? I assume. And great, a very good one. Right? That yeah. To what extent would its organization generalize to how, for instance, our sense of touch at level of a fingertip is organized? Well, that's a long parallels? jump from the worm. Yeah, so the, the primate finger mm -hmm. that we have is, is, is obviously very late in evolution. <coughs> this, this pad, uh, of course, many animals have pads, but the, putting a pad at the, at the end of a, a highly mobile organ is really a good invention. <coughs> uh, uh, Ursidae's and uh, uh, felines have something like that, or rodents for that matter. But the primate has it has really pushed the the sophistication of that organ to great limit. It has incredible uh, uh, mechanical properties. If, uh, uh, like one of them, for example, which is uh, surprising, it, like most. Uh, mechanical uh, solids they um, when they are compressed uh, uh, modify their global behavior like like if you and, and tissues are not no exception like if you pull on a, on, a, on a tendon it becomes stiffer mm -hmm. uh, but somehow the fingertip doesn't you can push as many 
put any load on the fingertip, it'll re, uh, re, uh, regain or uh, keep its el same elasticity. It's it's really uh, amazing, actually. Uh, you can uh, you can do the test with me, actually. You you put like like a very small load on your finger, and you can see how it moves by a couple of millimeters. Okay. And I push all with all my might, and it moves the same amount. Okay. Exactly the same. And I span here maybe three orders of magnitude of load difference. But the mechanics have essentially uh, remained invariant. Mm -hmm. That's a really good uh, uh, property. <coughs> so when does that emerge in evolution? Do you know other examples of more primitive organisms that would show similar? I, yeah, I think uh, uh, felines don't have that. Oh. The, I looked a little bit at the feline pads, which are really good running machines. <coughs> They don't need that. Mm -hmm. It's it's a, a, it looks like a primate uh, okay. <coughs> mm -hmm. uh, uh, sort of a, you know feature <coughs> mm -hmm. that that really makes the prehensile extremity uh, uh, so good at, at at holding and sensing at the same time. Uh, <coughs> so so okay, so it's, it's a little bit unclear whether the principles are shared, right? Um, but now, can you um, enumerate then the principles of, of haptics that make it really a highly reliable uh, sense? So if you would have to rank yeah. order the organizational principles of haptics, what would ah. it be? Well, there's something I think it is um, uh, rather special to touch is the... Um, a very uh, a clear uh, lateral organization, which is uh, seems to be uh, a consequence of the um, fact that the the ambient field that that gives you a mechanical sensation is not local. So that's that's something very profound. Uh, so explain that. Yeah, when when uh, um, you look at, at something or you you hear two sounds, uh, which have uh, so two points in space which are, are very close, they create a, um, sen um, a signal on your retina that is also very close, up to the, the uh, diffraction essentially. <coughs> so it's it's very very small. And then you a bit of also the um, blurring in the retina, but uh, by and large, that's that's uh, something you can rely on. Things that are close in space are close on on your retina. In the auditory space, you know, uh, sounds that are very close also are uh, very distinct, and you you can actually take them apart uh, even they are very close. It's not the case. It cannot be the case in haptics. And the reason is because we are made, we are a solid, actually a viscoelastic solid, and any um, change in the boundary condition has faraway consequences. Uh, uh, and so it, um, so uh, small things are, are not local. So, no, uh, it's a simple example. You read Braille, so it's a small uh, point. Let me close that door. Because 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's go back a second. Yeah. Maybe uh, you restart the audio. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take an example. Reading Braille, of course, it's not a, a, a spontaneous activity, but it's something you can do. And uh, <coughs> the dots are very small, so you would you would intuitively believe that actually it's because the dot makes a face uh, a small contact on your finger that you feel it being small. But if you actually look at the mechanics of that interaction, you realize that the Braille dot makes a um, as mechanical consequences that are like five or six millimeter in size so it's a huge patch of skin that that is actually disturbed by the by the very local contact of course uh, uh, consciously all you feel is that tiny little thing but what comes from the periphery is like a really blurred enormously blurred signal <coughs> and, and and so that's and that's static now, if you have dynamics, which is actually the province of haptics, it's things that are dynamic and move, then uh, 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 you have um, uh, dynamical effects in your body, which to simplify it could be sort of waves, like propagation of signal. And, and, uh, um, uh, and uh, um, small events in time and space become very large things in in uh, in your body but I don't so see so the yeah so the consequence of that is that the neural organization has to be coping with that uh, non-locality principle neither in time or space to have yeah, sufficient but I don't get the non-locality because there is topography there's mechanical coupling and there are yeah. distance relations that are fixed right so if you talk about let's say a number uh, some millimeters of spread of a mechanical deformation due to to a braille uh, pixel that's a constant that's defined that's given by the mechanical properties of the tissue mm -hmm. right? right so in that sense yeah. it's the same thing as having some sort of retinotopic uh, organization that that maps uh, distance or proximal locations in visual space to proximal locations on your retina right, right. so so i thought you were suggesting that the haptic system was not following such a such a um, topographic relation. Ah no! So what I said is is uh, uh, in order to achieve ac uh, sufficient acuity, then the um, uh, uh, neural system has to have inputs from large regions. So and that has uh, consequences on the way, apparently the uh, early stages of, of uh, some of the sessions are organized. Yeah, but then I can argue in the retina you also see how you also see how that you compress yes. yeah. responses of many many of the photoreceptors into single right. <coughs> neural responses that so, are Yeah, so that reduction um, a principle you are talking about mm -hmm. is obviously shared by all the sensors. Right. It is it. Of, uh, I mean, um, what's uh, uh, his name escapes now? Uh, you know the guy who works on the frog, uh, the frog retina. <coughs> uh, Is it Maturana, maybe or? No, no, no. In the sixties. <coughs> well, Maturana was sixties. Yeah. Anyway, 
Yes, the. Um, I mean, the classic work that, that the frogs. Uh, no, that's more the tectum, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the idea that actually the uh, organs detect the most relevant mm -hmm. uh, 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 signals uh, and reduce them, compress the information essentially to, to only what is relevant to behavior. Mm -hmm. That's an old idea. Of course, it's true also in touch. Mm -hmm. If you felt everything that your body experienced, then the um, mechanical world would be uh, uh, completely indecipherable. It would be an incredible mess. It wouldn't be surfaces, uh, textures, materials, mm -hmm. shapes, weights. Mm -hmm. I mean, the example we gave uh, at the uh, uh, at lunch: you hold a cup, and it has a heaviness. You can hold it in a, a hundred different ways, and it's the same heaviness. Right. But that's invariance. Now. That's invariance. invariance. Yeah, but in order to achieve that uh, um, perceptual performance, the only way is that very early in the in the uh, nervous system that uh, information collected for very large regions are integrated. And maybe also across modalities. And also across modalities. But, but remember, we yeah, started out by, yeah, by trying yeah. to rank order mm. the organizational principles of haptics. And so, so now we're talking about some sort of topography of, of the organization yes. of the receptors, right? That you feel is unique. Uh, well, okay. So, so in terms of the um, uh, uh, raw periphery, mm -hmm. of course, the skin is the um, seat of the... Uh, largest number of inputs but you um, uh, you should also account for the muscles uh, um, and off and also um, there is a tendency which is very confusing or and still confuses me <coughs> in in uh, thinking that actually somatization is is like separate channels like like proprioception and and tactile inputs but uh, uh, um, mechanical and the neural reality is not so simple. Okay. Uh, um, for example, it's something I learned from uh, colleagues in Sweden also, like uh, Melanie Edin. If you close your hand, you do this, you feel your fingers moving. But the neural reality is that you have thousands of spikes coming from the entire hand and from the skin not from the muscle that actually tell your brain where your fingers are. But at the same time, you can actually touch your hand here and, and, you know, and separate out the perturbation given by that object and the perturbation given by my own movements. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's actually an old idea, you know, the, but the idea that actually the skin is all uh, tactile, and muscles are only proprioception is, is certainly untrue. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and uh, um, uh, and vice versa. Um, that's something I didn't speak about this morning. But the study done by another colleague of mine, uh, uh, Jean-Louis Tonnard, who is a former student, who was uh, uh, working with patients with reattached hands after tr after a, um, having lost the uh, hand in a, in a in a trauma and it's it's being st stitched back mm -hmm. 
And as you know, when, when the oper uh, uh, procedure is complete, then the reattached hand has no sensation. Even though the nerves may be transmitting signals, they, don't, they have no significance. So you can actually uh, bang on the hand and touch it, and there's no, no sensation attached to it. And then, and then Tona and, and his students, Les Boutons, they tested patients to see how fast they would recover. Okay? So they had the, this patient actually rank textures from coarse to fine. And to their astonishment, like days after the operation, they could do it. But was there dynamics that affected? Yeah, so, right. So that's or? why I came in. Uh, and yeah. we know that was pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. No skin. And, and then what happens is actually um, the mechanical signal that mechanics that are um, elicited by friction, frictional noise, if you want, let's call it this way, propagates in practically in the entire arm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, uh, other sensing options possible. <laughs> uh, and it, uh, we replicated that study with, by uh, uh, anesthetizing the hands of healthy participants, and they still could do it. <clears throat> and so, so that's that's really interesting. It 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 really shows that this uh, intuition we have that it's because we touch a place, something at a particular place. That's where the interaction is. Is a really a naive uh, conception. Right. The the mechanical reality is is uh, 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 many times more distributed. And so there are two, mm. there's sort of two problems we have to solve now. Um, one, mechanical sensing is not limited to the skin, right? So we have to, this is point number one, no? Yep. So mm. that raises the question, okay, but then what is the, what is the realm of the mechanical sensing? Because that's in the end what haptics is about, right? It's about mm. the mechanical sensing. So this might include the stress receptors in your muscles and so on. Yeah, they, so, it does, yeah, most, so, so most definitely. Yeah. It might also you have, a, a, let's say, low density of sensors throughout the, the organs and, and so on, right? So, mesentery and yeah. So <coughs> where do you now draw the boundary? I don't. You don't? Yeah, so that's what I was trying to get at. The textbook view likes to draw boundaries. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, proprioception, it is this set of receptors and uh, tactile sensation, it is that set. Mm -hmm. So if you want to prove that you, you can, you can always come come up with examples where that works, but you can also come with as many uh, counterexamples. If we, now, <laughs> if we look at the somatosensory cortex, was then the old view of Penfield of the Monkless also too yeah. restricted? And so if we take the perspective that you now advance, which is more inclusive, what would the homunculus look like? Would it change a lot? Or well, would, the homunculus... Would add dimensions yeah. to it? Uh, <coughs> I would add dimensions to it. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt that if you follow the uh, neural pathway from a, a place in the body and uh, through the different uh, um, uh, neural stages, you do observe a correspondence between body regions and in uh, cortical regions. There is no doubt about it. 
but the uh, more modern views have actually shown that f first of all these uh, cortical regions are many uh, second they can change well your body doesn't <coughs> uh, third that they can also um, um, be involved in in other things than uh, uh, exp uh, uh, tactile experience like like movement that they have uh, bilateral very surprising bilateral representations that's something that I was uh, uh, often ignored it's like if you uh, uh, drive a particular uh, finger and then you uh, illuminate if you want a bit of the cortex you also drive the uh, counter side <coughs> why I don't know but it, it is uh, uh, um, an empirical uh, finding <coughs> so, so it's only complexifying now right so basically you're saying look it has it's higher dimensional than just the skin Yes, so that, let's go back to this idea of dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> the, the textbook view is the skin has two dimensions. It's a sheet. Uh, this morning we talked about mechanics. Huh? And uh, uh, clearly in mechanics there is no such thing as sheets. There are solids. <laughs> and solids have three dimensions. And their state requires at least six numbers. Uh, uh, at, at the um, most basic level to be uh, 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 represented and 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 worse of all you need an infinite number of six numbers to be able to uh, uh, describe the static state of a solid <coughs> uh, so this idea of two dimension is it uh, is is, uh, is um, too simplified. Much too simplified. <laughs> but then, mm. um, okay, it's higher dimensional, uh, but then we can also add time because so far we're only talking sure. about space. Yes, so the time you mean dynamics. Yeah. It means, yeah. <clears throat> so um, how would you include dynamics? Is it basically just we are multiplying the, the, the multidimensional maps of space? And then we have some at let's say different into different time windows or different frequency responses or what have you. Yeah, is this roughly how we should think about that? Uh, yeah, you could, but I tend to have a different uh, uh, view. Yeah. Um, that uh, the brain doesn't uh, care much about the skin itself. It really only cares about the objects that. Uh, uh, could possibly interact with your skin, like uh, and the object. So that's that's really a very different uh, uh, way of thinking. And when I say objects, I really mean uh, the sort of uh, mechanical effect they can create. Good example are shocks. Um, in the old days, there was a tactile display that was extremely successful, but didn't last very long. It was called the octagon. I don't know if you ever felt one no so the octagon was essentially a set of little hammers it didn't touch the skin actually they were actually at some distance of the skin and and the dis the display principle was actually to make them hit collide and each time you have a collision it creates a, quite an interesting mechanical event but uh, it, it of course non-local it's waves and uh, 
it's complicated, but it's processed beautifully by the uh, nervous system. And it makes, if you want, quote unquote, uh, uh, very sharp images, like you can feel lines and, and uh, motion very nicely. But the mechanical reality is an incredible mess. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and the explanation for that is because actually your nervous system is tuned to collisions. That's something that is really important. Uh, uh, as a mechanical uh, event and collisions of course has many consequences and it's the consequences that are sensed it's it's not because it's there if you want <coughs> right but now and there are lots um, uh, was telling you at lunch about the example of a wood stick <coughs> which uh, is <laughs> has a special mechanics and they have been uh, 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 integrated in people's brains uh, completely seamlessly uh, yeah, but, but then we're running ahead a bit because we're still trying to sort out the basic principles right and also one thing that, that you mentioned in your talk is that actually there are very few people working on this right it's not such a crowded field and there are very few really quantitative assessments of the response properties of of haptic sensing right so you you spoke you spoke of how the, how the scale of, of stimulation scale, yeah. right yeah, yeah. would sort of map um, to different kinds of thresholds of, of detection. Mm -hmm. um, so what do we know about that? This relationship between sort of object size or the scale of stimulation and the sensitivity we might have to then respond to to stimuli. Well, we don't know a lot, huh? <laughs> uh, <coughs> But but scale is uh, clearly an imp is one uh, it's one of these uh, uh, information reduction principles, like uh, uh, events that are short in time or uh, localized in space are, are treated differently from events that are uh, uh, elongated, uh, uh, last long lasting, if you want, <coughs> or, and 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 occupy large portions, like like. Uh, like a whole table, you know, it's uh, <coughs> it's very different from a uh, um, uh, fabric. <coughs> I don't know how to say that more precisely, but uh, uh, well, you had yeah. also the example yeah. of the elephant, right? So to to touch <laughs> a small object or elephant. Well, that's because yeah, it's biblical. I mean, it's 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 uh, 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 yeah, the elephant is um, uh, proverbial, <coughs> of course. Yes. But it, there's always truth in proverbs, and it's much the case that if you want to have the shape of, a, uh, of an elephant, then you have to touch it with your own arms. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, <laughs> and you have to body, and, exactly, mm -hmm. and, and and it's it's really the displacement that gives you the uh, uh, relevant information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you're uh, manipulating a needle, that's the uh, that's doesn't uh, it's it's pretty useless what matters is actually the way the skin is bent that <coughs> well uh, but in, in the interest of haptics what, what do you feel has been the, the if you look at the whole set of experiments performed in this domain which is quite a bit but you know it's quite a bit yeah um, which of these have shed the most light on the organization of, of this system which is really the crucial experiment that the that was a breakthrough, if you want, in understanding of haptics. Uh, I, I will have a rather arrogant opinion. <laughs> Let me guess. 
in, in believing that there's been none so far. Okay. <laughs> really important. Okay. Uh, uh, that will, you know. Why is that? Because uh, it implies that you have some expectations. Yeah, right? all, yeah, yeah exactly. The reason for that is actually a lot of the um, so-called um, uh, uh, basic understanding of, of touch were actually drawn from uh, 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 findings in vision. But as, as uh, uh, I've uh, tried to explain, the domain is so different uh, that you can always uh, organize, um, if you want, you can always twist your brain in, into believing that touch is like vision. It has many things in common. But the, uh, the number of cut examples is so large that uh, uh, I'm convinced now it, it's actually a, a, a very misleading uh, uh, um, intellectual approach, actually. Yeah, but, <coughs> mm -hmm. but this is also annoying, right? Because there are loads of experiments that have been performed and published in haptics. And, and there are all these micro-observations around something that we don't really comprehend yet, right? It's almost like a random sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah certainly. So what are we missing then, in your opinion? What, what's uh, happening? Uh, yeah, I did write a grant on this topic. Uh, that was about ten years ago now, okay. almost. I review it. And <laughs> and and the uh, uh, basic argument is that in in um, in somatosensation or touch, there was nothing like 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 in vision in the sense like uh, conjuring and mar, as you know, outlined and 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 the uh, neural coilets that were found. Uh, from the theoretical uh, consideration, and uh, and so I, I promised to do to do that actually. Yeah, but that's <laughs> to, an annoying uh, argument, right? Because earlier you said we don't want to compare to vision, and now you say, well, we've made much of progress in vision. Yeah, so we have to do the same in in uh, in audition, in um, well, in addition too, actually. But maybe yeah. maybe the progress in vision is more uh, illusory than, than real. Maybe. Right? Yeah. It's just that a lot of people are very busy. But if you if you really ask, like, okay, what are the the fundamental principles that we allow us to comprehend the system and how does... Well, there's a litmus uh, uh, test, actually. Okay. Uh, uh, after all these um, uh, centuries of uh, uh, research, there's pretty good uh, vision, artificial vision systems. Okay, uh, whether they are uh, biologically relevant or not is another question, but uh, they do function, <laughs> and they many of them actually have drawn consciously or not ideas from uh, how uh, natural vision operates. I disagree, but go ahead. My, <laughs> I didn't say all some. <laughs> okay. But when you look at the state of the art of artificial touch, it's it's really a terrible situation. <coughs> sure, but it's it. there's no comparison. Yeah, but the, so had we that's tricky because yeah. you can of course also say like, well, we made great progress with building uh, microprocessors, right? And yeah. So we know yeah. about cognition. Well, that's not really no, true. No, no, that's not that, right? That's not what and I mean. Moreover, you also argue there are just no market drivers. For advanced haptic systems, uh, well, there are lots of them. Yeah, there yeah. are market drivers yeah. for cheap vision. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so, so I'm not yeah. sure I find it a very convincing argument. No, it's not an argument. It's it's an observation. That that the uh, 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 computer vision actually exists, <coughs> mm -hmm. but but uh, computer touch mm -hmm. is essentially non-existent and. Uh, and if you look at most of the activity in that domain, actually, it's it's a, a servile copy of a, vi a visual. Right. Uh, uh, okay. So, <coughs> but, the, but the bottom line that would be that you're saying, well, we're actually really in the dark. We're in the dark about haptics. Yeah, I would uh, would agree with that. So then, yeah. <coughs> then where where should we start? Because what you present one experiment that I thought was extremely interesting, where you had these these uh, actuation arrays. That you either stimulated in uh, in sync, so they were oscillating at some frequency. I don't mm -hmm. remember which one, but either they were they were synchronized, or they were um, not synchronized, right? So you set up actually uh, they were out of phase, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. <coughs> which led to two very different experiences from the from the touch perspective, right? So mm -hmm. one, the first one, synchronized, is like a solid or like yep. a solid surface, mm -hmm. and the other one feels like. You enter some, some, yeah. some viscous media. It's the other way, but yeah. uh, which is very interesting. But now we bring in we bring in dynamics. Right now we have now we have time. We have uh, movement of change. Right. <coughs> so is that the thing that we've been missing? Because also this is in vision you see the same thing. Vision is very much analyzed in terms of spatial maps, hierarchies of spatial maps. So if you if you mm -hmm. look at things yeah. that blurring, yeah. that's what mm -hmm. it's all about. Mm -hmm. How can I learn hierarchies of spatial maps? And have lots of wires between the maps, going back to Rosenblatt and and, and oh, yeah. pandemonium or whatever. <laughs> and then, of course, we know anatomically, actually, the wires between layers in cortex or regions in cortex v1, v2, and so on, is rather limited. It's it's less than three percent of your of your synaptic volume. So right there, you see that the approach taken is sort of orthogonal to how what we understand of, of the biology. But is that maybe then is this maybe a key insight that we should say well. Maybe we have not opened up enough to rethink what, what, what that haptic code should be. And maybe the haptic code is much more temporal than spatial. Would, would that be an entry point for you? Or yeah, you that, that, would, uh, that would be correct. Uh, the, the temporal performance of touch is, is, is excellent. It's almost, it rivals the audition, <coughs> actually. <coughs> And and uh, evidence is accumulating that uh, that if you want um, the property of objects that are uh, in contact with your body are acquired through uh, uh, timing. I'll, uh, I'll give you a simple example of that. Uh, um, actually, uh, it was uh, yeah, it was Flanagan and. Um, and Johansson, they put the hypothesis that actually, how do you know that you're actually touching a, a uh, table? Well, the code is simply because all the afferents in that regions are responding at the same time from the first spike. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and uh, and that's, uh, it's not important that they are all from the same place, it's because they are at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but is that also and true? It, it's probably true. I'm pretty sure that... But, but let's, yeah. let's follow this, right? So now I'm tapping the table, okay? So I have a synchronized response in my fingertip. This thing goes up uh, to my thalamus and then from there into the cortex. How many processing steps 
how many? How many processes before you feel it? Before Ex I'm going to say, oh, it's stable. Uh, one in the brainstem, mm -hmm. which we commented this morning is probably quite sophisticated. Who knows, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. One in the thalamus. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. Huh? There is no. almost no study on on the. Uh, uh, function of the thalamus in somato sensation almost none but it should be like the others more specialized uh, yeah they should be something like the superior curriculus but for touch somewhere no, but like <laughs> it's called vpn because or medial, it, yeah it has it has a name of course mm -hmm. because the anatomists have identified sure. it mm -hmm. but the function is is a, a complete mystery or, or okay. a terrible cognita mm -hmm. and then, we go and then the you have uh, you have the cortex and it, uh, you have the primary uh, yeah, primary S1. area yeah s1 which actually has uh, the subdivision mm -hmm. uh, and then you have s2 and then yeah, and then, then uh, maybe something I think there's something like s3 I'm not mm -hmm. quite sure and then and then it becomes parietal okay and so that's that's so uh, and that's probably where the integration you know really takes place uh, so if you can count no, we can go back and count it. Quite a few stages, actually. But but based on what you're saying, then the real experience sits in in the parietal area. Well, I don't know, but that's where we end up. And from there, we might then speculate because that's what this is all about. That it's then also need a multimodal for sure construct. Yeah, lots of lots of examples of that. Yeah, yeah, including some of my studies. And do we know anything about the latency between then this touch? And, and 20 milliseconds. The experience? Yeah. In the parietal cortex? Uh, probably longer. Yeah, yeah. right. It's 20 milliseconds to the primary areas. Uh, okay. And then and then I don't know. I could know. I have. To, I don't have the number in my head now. Uh -huh. But I have a, a, a former colleague who has actually done some really interesting studies recently on that using uh, uh, high performance EEGs. Mm -hmm. But so, mm. so now then, the the other thing you pointed to, and, and still again now we go all the way back to the periphery, is how already the periphery is being really manipulated, well, or could be how how the viscosity or the rigidity of, of, of the skin itself at the fingertip is of direct relevance to direct yeah to, to what you both, feel both yeah. the control of of grasp and the touch sensation yeah right so so what you were saying is that dependent on on how liquid or how moist the skin is, right? Of course, slippage will be different, mm -hmm. but for some reason, that grasp is automatically tuned to then the wetness of the skin. Yes, yeah? it has to. Yeah. So, so mm. why does it have to be like that? Well, <laughs> I don't know if it has to be like this, but but, you just but we are living tissues, huh? yeah. right? So we have to have water, mm -hmm. and. Um, and the repertory of materials huh, is not so great. I mean, you have collagen fibers and you have keratin and you have a certain uh, set of possible material you use that are, you know, actually uh, have the structural uh, the properties for making uh, an animal. <coughs> so that's what you have. And they are good or bad. I don't know, but they are what they are. And you can... Uh, 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 
and and it's likely that the neural system co-evolved yeah, but, but to deal with that because you don't have a choice well but it, look it sounds it sounds good and then also you brought up robust control right but this is based now on a number of assumptions that, that i think we should be clear about because in some sense now we get complexification because you're saying well i, I only have touch and touch is mapped to grasp and for some reason i adjust the grasp force to the friction force i have on my skin yeah. which in turn depends on how wet my skin is yeah. right? and this loop is and uh, not only on the wetness but the material of course yeah, absolutely. yeah. if it's no, glass or wood yeah, yeah. Yeah. so that loop is closed but uh, apparently it's not a loop uh, much of it is, is um, uh, open open it's, okay yeah. <clears throat> even worse <laughs> now even yeah now, even, now your trouble is even greater because to make that work I must sense, right? I must sense yeah. what how slippery so that, my skin is. Right. So you look at what you and if you don't, uh, if you don't look, uh, then you have this over um, powerful grip, like you, like data yeah, that would support yeah, that. So yeah. it means <laughs> the controller here is basically lacking any further information i it's, assume it's, the skin is it's dry. A the worst case yeah maximum <laughs> or something slippery yeah mm -hmm. like like if your life depends on it that's uh, mm -hmm. no you're grabbing a handle you're not going to <laughs> okay. grope it for mm -hmm. you just go and right <laughs> so, okay so you're saying this fine-tuning of control is learned then because it depends on other modalities it would depend on vision. yeah it it is learned um, I mean, I don't think it's innate. I mean, some of it is innate, as far as I can tell. Okay. Yeah, but you yeah. went in a direction <laughs> that, that I... So actually, maybe. that would be a good place to look for innate. Mm -hmm. uh, but but yeah. what I was thinking, it actually creates great opportunities for control because I can also say, okay, if I have to slip, if I want to control the slip of an object, because we don't always hold everything in no. a rigid way, we also have to slip to also reduce damage. Not only we, uh, uh, we um, actually, it's a very interesting point. Nobody discussed. Not only most of the time you don't want to have your um, a stable contact unless you are holding a cup or uh, eating something. But most of uh, uh, many of the cases you want, you don't want. You want, you know, to actually exactly. slip or or uh, being quite mobile. And but the mechanical relationship, as we saw this morning, is incredibly varied. Mm -hmm. So, so the motor loops have to be able to deal with that um, uh, incredible, uh, very large vi variability. Sure. And, and, and make sure that sleep uh, happens. Uh, exactly, because <laughs> the other thing that, that we didn't talk about, in other words, you didn't mention, if I make a mis if I'm over conservative, I am damaging my skin. Oh, you do, yeah. Which yeah. is a huge cost. Which is pretty bad, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So so it's actually not even that, that, that the air is on one side only, like the object well, drops, catastrophic failure. Yeah. You can get cuts and, uh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, also there's, there's an air at the other side where, where it leads to self-damage, right? Which which would actually maybe be a higher cost than yeah. dropping an Self-damage uh, uh, happens uh, in, actually, mechanically speaking, in two possible ways. Either you have abrasion, so it means that you have a, 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 a surfaces that are sharp edges <coughs> and you sleep against them. Uh, actually, it's the only case. Or you can, you can have an edge, which is basically a, 
simplified version of abrasion. <coughs> and so, so these are really extreme case. Uh, in in natural object, there is you have thorns, of course, which have been designed for that. Okay, and and uh, but most objects are uh, innocuous, like stones and woods, <coughs> unless uh, yeah they have thorns or uh, <coughs> and of course in the modern world you have uh, uh, metal sharp and <coughs> so one of these two. Also, if we compare them in, in all other modalities, no, not all. Yes, well, maybe not all. There is always an, an automatic calibration to intensity. Yes, right? that's a, 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 a tricky question. No, but that's mm -hmm. maybe the realm yeah. we're in. Because do you want to normalize friction forces that you're exposed to? And do you want to do that by sensing the actual friction forces or sen actually sensing the, 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 the moistness mm. of the skin? Okay. Right? To, to, to make sure you sort of recalibrate yeah. continuously. When you say sensing, uh, yeah. you said something uh, very um, uh, precise. You mean you had a sensor. You mean for the first time. But I you don't have any sensor for moistness or you have How no you sensor for friction. No, this is, this is mm. where I disagree with you. For instance, we do know that, that the, the sweat correlates with resistivity. This makes it, therefore, in theory, possible to measure resistivity. Certainly. How? Which uh, receptor would do that? Well, the resistivity of the skin would have uh, electro consequences, right? So, oh, oh, the you mean you properties of, of, of ion flows might be affected. My the speed which I can respond will be affected. Why not? Wow, that's a pretty uh, 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 daring hypothesis. <laughs> My Moreover, the field is only two people, right? So <laughs> it's it's worth thinking about. No, no, but so, but, but, so actually, moistness because moistness yeah. is definitely a sensation. Yeah, it has. It's it's like a, you know, uh, it's like a kind of a color if you want. It has. It's and it's really actually uh, uh, interesting to. Uh, see how we actually experience wet, uh, uh, wetness or presence of a film of water between your hand and the object. It seems like there are two ways to do it. You either the uh, object is impermeable, so it's like 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 we said this morning, like a glass surface, or where you have some kind of lubrification, and you have another class of objects which is very common. They have uh, they are porous. So they, they uh, actually um, uh, diffuse water. <coughs> and in the two cases, they uh, are correlated to thermal behavior. Uh, so the thermal bridge, which is made by uh, uh, impermeable surface, is totally different from the thermal bridge made by a fabric. And, and so um, it's this combination of mechanics and, and thermal input that creates a sensation of wetness uh, from but also <coughs> but they yeah actually in VR it's possible to make mm -hmm. things that feel wet yeah. uh, if you do recreate artificially the uh, thermal profile of a, but maybe um, the answer sits in the carotene itself you gave this example where you say carotene changes its viscosity 
with yes. time. Well, yeah, it's, it's a, a, a stiffness. Right. Yeah. It becomes plus very stiff, stiff, stiff very soft. Yeah. But um, this will again depend on how moist, how much moisture there is. So the speed to which this, this changes yep. will, will tell you implicitly about moisture. Would you agree with that? Completely. So didn't we solve yeah, the sensing completely. problem then? <laughs> completely, yeah. Because then... But that, that, that's one aspect, because... Uh, yeah. um, yeah, so that would be the tribology, the way the skin slips and, and drags on, on the object. And the second is the thermal behavior. So you have two... Uh, and and the, two correlation, the two correlated will give you uh, 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 the, um, uh, a possible uh, possibility to estimate the water content. Right. Of, uh, and, uh, and as I said, you can do it in VR quite easily. I mean, relatively easily by... by uh, uh, modifying the temperature of a surface according to certain profiles right. and, and then you do get uh, a pretty nice... So, so that's um, interesting, right? Yeah. Because in all other modalities, issues of gain control are very central. Yeah. And people spend a lot of time... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, like in audition, it's tremendous. Exactly. Uh, I don't know, like... It's like five orders of magnitude of, uh, mm -hmm. of, of right. gating yeah. mechanically and neurally. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that for, for haptics, the game yeah, control. Yeah. Uh, no, because that's what we're talking about. Right? We're yeah, talking about the it's it's a good. It, it's uh, so the game control. I mean, the, the the dynamics in touch is about, f uh, if I recall, five orders of magnitude. Mm -hmm. So from the smallest load to the biggest load, if mm -hmm. you want, mm -hmm. and it it does have this log uh, profile, if you want. Otherwise, you would not have all these orders of magnitude. Right. Uh, but the notion of intensity is a slippery one in, in touch, actually. Well, uh, uh, you can talk about the intensity of a vibration. You but can, why not, yeah. But it can mm. be slippage or force. Yeah, yeah. Well, force is a very uh, uh, misleading idea. Force only uh, uh, made, made uh, any sense when you have a point mass, mm -hmm. which is no point mass, mm -hmm. as far as I can tell in this room. Uh, so example, you, you were pressing on the table. So what you have, it's it, so in, in mechanic when you in in theoretical mechanics you talk about no, you don't talk about force, you talk about load. Mm -hmm. So it's a very different idea. It's also measured in Newton, mm -hmm. but load is something which uh, uh, happens on a on a domain, okay, not at the point. And so the load, and I I don't think the force is as any representation. In yeah, but, but, but this is tricky yeah. because if we if we now exert force on the tabletop, yeah, I have muscles generating forces. Load, activity. Yeah, no, no, but the muscles themselves are contracting. No, they are not. They are they are contracting and they are viscoelastic. Yeah, and they change length mm -hmm. and they create load. Yes, they don't create force. I could measure this as force. How many yeah. newtons they would Aha. generate? Yeah, but you use a, a horrible trick. Do you, I? Yeah. Okay. You you uh, uh, put your finger on on a, on a uh, object that is completely rigid. Yes. And then you average out mm -hmm. all the interaction, and then uh -huh. you call it a force. Isn't that what uh, experiments are about? Controlled conditions. Mm, yes, for sure. But it's it doesn't mean that it's a use, a useful information for your. Well, but look, at least now mm. we can't measure what, what, what I can say now. Okay, I, pu uh, I push on this on the surface. There is, a, there is, if you want, load or exerted on the fingertip. Yeah. But across my whole arm, 
yes whole, yeah, yeah. Whole chunk of my the whole thing is, is, is firing right. like crazy exactly yeah. There, yeah. there are forces mm. being generated mm -hmm. in the sense that the contractile properties yeah. of my muscles gold organs i, yeah. I could yeah. measure yeah. as forces not but no they are loads they are actually so the way i look, look at it okay. is purely geometrical okay and um in in actually in theoretical mechanics huh, mm -hmm. that's all you need you well, don't apparently not because we haven't explained haptics yet but go ahead yeah mm -hmm. all you need to know is how um the uh, bodies mm -hmm. uh change shape you know and and the notion of uh, force is a um uh, is an uh, it's it's almost an artifact it's like a, a, a um a convenience but it's not contradictory because i could mm. say a set of forces adds up to load oh uh, yeah but it's an infinite set so no, but still yeah, but uh, if i under controlled uh, conditions now define the boundary conditions. okay i'll give you a counter example to this argument okay. i push with a, a, a flat plate with one newton on your fingertip and then you have this experience okay. now i take a sharp needle and i and i do one newton you'll have a very different experience <laughs> But from a mechanical perspective, it's a very different situation. Same force. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, that's fair enough. But but but, it, but maybe what we look at here is sort of a microscopic reductionist. No, it's with really what happens. You bleed. You know, it's, no, actually, no, no, it's no, not no, reductionist. No, <laughs> consequence of my, but if I if I just I'm talking about me pushing the tabletop, right? Yeah. Um, is it useful to think about the muscle fibers? Because now I have millions of muscle fibers working together, contracting yeah. or, or not, or relaxing, to generate this behavior that creates yeah. So it will load. It will. Uh, Is make it useful to to look at the, every muscle fiber from a perspective of load? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You think that that's more yeah, fun? actually, we have a pretty nice experiment going on okay. on the. I could show it to you right now. Do you have a spoon? Yeah. Spoon, plastic spoon. No. Anyway. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, so the point is that, from a geometrical perspective, yeah. if you forget this idea of uh, forces and stuff, mm -hmm. it's all about how the bodies interact, and 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 how uh, your um, uh, uh, um, some measure of the mechanical state. Of your body can inform you about the uh, useful properties about what you touch. Uh, an example is, is actually elasticity. Now you have a hard surface and you have a soft surface here, <coughs> and um, and then so so if you look at it from a, a, a theoretical mechanics viewpoint, the only way you can do it, you forget the force. You look at the relative def uh, deformation of the two bodies. So it's purely relative. It's only displacement. There is no load involved, and and then so you apply the laws of, of contact mechanics, and you realize actually that the um, uh, information that is available to the brain is completely confused, um, uh, um, um, ambiguous, confounded between shape and elasticity, and you never realize it in uh, in everyday life because you have an a prior. Uh, um, um, if you want assumption about the shape of what you touch like an avocado when you test it uh, 
but but if you organize a lab experiment where there is no not so, no such uh, uh, information available, you have a perfect confound between shape and elasticity, mm -hmm. and that falls directly off the contact mechanics uh, mm -hmm. principles. Right. No lo no loads in in uh, in uh, involved there. <laughs> okay, I got it. But but in some sense. Um, we haven't made that much progress yet, right? Because now we're um, we're still at the periphery of, of the whole uh, haptic interaction with the with the world, and uh, there um, you also alluded towards the end a little bit to how is the brain really sensing? How is the brain sensing these kinds of of properties of the world? Yeah. Right? So how many <coughs> how many properties? Uh? How many distinct sensors should we worry about? <laughs> And, <laughs> and what do they do, right? Oh, the sensors themselves. Huh? Yeah. yeah, as I said, you have, you have population of, of uh, 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 rapidly adaptive uh, uh, sensors, and then you have populations of slowly adaptive sensors. The way you think of it is that uh, it also goes back to mechanics. You have to have... So mechanics is mostly dynamics. The simplest dynamics are first order, or I mean second order, I mean. You need uh, three terms in the equation, so you have two states. And so, if you have to have a good access to the mechanical state of an object that has two states, you need two sensors, and that is why. And one is rate sensor, and the other one is is a, a static sensor. Mm -hmm. <coughs> that that's really uh, uh, fundamental, and 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 then that an explanation why you would have these two categories. And these are these uh, Purchinsky cells. Uh, the Pacinis, no, they are kind of a, a, a world on their own. Okay. They are uh, um, f uh, more in, in the tissues than in the skin. There are some in the skin, but mostly in the, in the tissues. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of randomly, opportunistically uh, distributed in the hand, in, in the entire body. You have lots of them in the mesentery. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, essentially, you, I think of them as, as uh, cystic sensors. So they, they detect waves that are uh, zipping by. And uh, by the way, the waves in soft tissues are very slow. They, they move at seven meters per second and, and go over very long distances. And so uh, uh, that it would uh, be a very good um, um, portrayal of why these sensors are, uh, are there. It's basically they collect mechanical uh, information propagating information yeah uh -huh. they are shear waves actually so they go uh, they, they move slowly okay. uh, we have new work actually not me but the former uh, collaborator of mine who is a prof at the UCSB has made beautiful uh, uh, measurements of those waves in uh, in the anatomy <coughs> mm -hmm. and yeah yeah how far do they travel these waves uh, How quickly get absorbed? Well, if uh, I, I could show you a movie, but I'll, I'll do a, 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 a podcast. A, a, yeah, helpful. if you if you um, do this, yeah. they, they they go very clearly all the way to the wrist. Okay, so you yeah, yeah. So from the fingertip to the wrist. Yeah, yeah. So if you put an accelerometer yeah. here, uh -huh. you get you get a very okay. big signal here, mm -hmm. and and another one and another one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And uh, and and uh, and the wavelength is three centimeters. So so and and the modes actually it, we've recently have a, a new result. There are very few modes, 
so it's a very uh, compact uh, representation actually of the dynamics of the hand it, it would seem that actually you need a, a function basis of eight a dimension eight to completely represent the dynamics of the hand. That's cool. So actually, for my wrist, I could sense what my fingers are doing. Yes. Yeah. But, well, as I said, it's it's but it's so a medical uh, it's a medical right. observation actually. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Do you think the brain is using that? I'm convinced it does. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's it's what it was uh, one of the projects that's ongoing is actually to have a, a, a phantom. Uh, Look, uh, f locations, mm -hmm. but dynamic. So, so I'll, I'll show you how you can elicit them. Okay. You do this. You slide your finger, Over and you table. record yeah, on the yeah. tabletop. It's good actually. Mm -hmm. You record the signal on the nail here. Yeah. Then you put it in uh, recording, and then as you slide your finger, and you put the transducer that you glue to that skin here. So if you hold your hand like this, you feel... So you glue it under the same finger? You, you same finger, but a different phalange. Yeah, okay. close to the palm of the hand. Yeah, okay. here, yeah. And you go like this. Oh, yeah, so it's here. Mm -hmm. You, get zzz, here. you yeah. feel the, the texture going yeah. here. And if you glue it here, you feel it here. Now you, you organize a situation where actually when the signal starts going the minute you touch and you slide yeah. on a flat surface yeah. and then and then the sensation travels back to the fingertip, okay. the textural sensation. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. but you wait. But it, it makes sense. It makes all yeah. sense. Yeah. But but yeah. and you could, could you put that transducer anywhere? Yes, I think so. So that's what we're right. going that's to do work, right? for that uh, right. new project. Right. Yeah. just a trans some mechanical transformation. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. But now. Okay, so so, so, so that's why it, it, go, it goes back to what I was saying that the um, neural architecture yeah. at the most basic level it has to be very lateral uh -huh. because of that non that's what I meant by non locality. But then also yeah. you're saying that, that haptic is much more like audition because I must pick up also the resonances. Yes, yes. In, uh, in, my, in my biomechanics. I mean, to put uh, an extreme. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, argument mm -hmm. which is wrong but interesting. It's it's like the, your whole body is like a. a a basilar membrane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which is interesting, right? Because also the basilar membrane and audition has interesting features like it extracts pitch from frequency. Yes, but uh, uh, as far as I can tell, no one has ever found any somatotopy, I mean, uh, tomatotopy mm -hmm. in, in touch. Yeah, but and pitch what, yeah. is also never really found, right? right? Exactly, it's still yeah. quite a discussion, but it's an invariant. Yeah, yeah, but you look at an invariant of the, re of yeah, the resonance frequency. Tonotopy so is still a very uh, important organizational principle in audition. <laughs> yeah, but I want to provoke you even further than that, mm -hmm. because pitch is an invariant, a subjective invariant for hearing. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we now Shepard say the whole body and, yeah. is a basilar <laughs> membrane, yeah. what would be the equivalent of pitch for the haptic system? Would it be something like left hand is touching stuff? Yeah, touch you could say. Right hand, yeah. my foot, I can touch the same with my foot. Oh, it's the same thing. <laughs> it, I would, I would tend to think that the elements of of of, of um, sensation in in um, in touch are really uh, are really like objects, are things, like pieces of wood or uh, tables, people. That's what they are. <clears throat> A, Good argument. There's zillions of paper on roughness. Oh yeah, right. Okay. But if you think of it a minute, if you take a piece of leather, it has a certain roughness, and and you can rank leathers, 
Now you take, uh, I don't know, uh, concrete, okay? You, uh, you have uh, different, but you, it's not the same roughness. So the notion of roughness depends on the, on the object. And woods, you know, and people, you know, you have smooth skins and uh, uh, rough skins. So it's not a, a universal concept like pitch, which actually could argue is not universal. It really depends on the source, actually. <coughs> And so, so, so you could make the argument that actually all roughnesses are actually qualities of materials. <laughs> well, that's more timber then. Yes. Yeah, but timber, right? that's in a also... <laughs> uh, no, I, I used to dab a little bit in, in uh, um, uh, psychophysics. Mm -hmm. and, and so the joke is like, uh, what is uh, timber? So you remove intensity, duration, tem uh, uh, pitch. And, and uh, dynamics, uh, and what is left is timber. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but this, but this is interesting, an interesting thought experiment to say, okay, if we move away from vision yeah. and <coughs> think more about the dynamics of an auditory system, yeah. then yeah. now this starts to have interesting questions that we can pose for the haptic system that we hadn't thought of before, if you yeah. purely look at the spatial terms of the visual system. But maybe that has been a misleading uh, analogy. Uh, I'm uh, completely uh, uh, in, in in tune with that uh, right. line. You resonate with that. Yeah, touch can do it, you know, but very pretty badly. I can, you have all these illusions and uh, <coughs> and uh, uh, because it's certainly something you need. Mm -hmm. You know, when there's an insect, you have to whack it. Yeah. <coughs> uh, no, but it's interesting what you're saying, right? Because that would mean that also by by. by because of the constraints of experimentation, you end up in a very extreme part of the state space of haptics. Yeah. That sits very close to vision, if you want. Yeah, if but you it want. might be really yeah. misleading. It's very misleading, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. you like to have two-dimensional things because it's easy to exactly. write papers about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but then you also make, make a plug for the, the nucleus cuneus, right? Which you, which yeah. in some sense I could say you, you, you sort of co-discovered maybe with, with, with your yeah, it's, it, yeah, with your tell and with others, your right? yeah. Because it, it it seems to be such an essential organ. But but tell me how, of, how of the same is the whole nucleus that that no one bothered about so far. Yeah, because the dogma there is a dogma, which actually held that. Um, actually, I I, I might uh, offend quite a bit of a few people on this one, but uh, the dogma is that this, um, touch is very much explainable by a label line theory <coughs> and that is actually written in the textbook that you have uh, on your shelf <coughs> but the same holds for audition yeah it's exactly a dominant, it's a dominant dogma and uh, but in in touch it's uh, so so the, the consequence is that the um, physiological properties of receptors are actually reflected in in the uh, cortex mm -hmm which I think is uh, uh, a very, uh, uh, I mean, you, you can organize experiment where that is the case, but uh, um, they are so contrived that uh, <coughs> they have no relation with uh, 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 normal functioning. There is a very good example, a second point also that I'd like to make since we are here on mm -hmm. this topic. Okay. Uh, there is uh, this label line thing uh, uh, idea in touch uh, uh, also would like to propose that the different type of receptors we have are frequency tuned from low frequency to high frequency mm -hmm. which very much comes back to the uh, auditory 
example. And, and so there's a paper that's quoted hundreds of times that shows that actually you do have uh, populations of receptors that respond to certain frequency bands, and that explains touch. But what people don't realize is that if you read the caption of the figure, the, um, uh, la uh, the uh, curves are plotted at threshold, mm -hmm. which is like the smallest mm -hmm. detectable uh, uh, stimulus. Mm -hmm. No, 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 not the Lyman, the threshold, like, which is precisely the domain which you don't use your senses mm -hmm. because they, they are useless at threshold. And that's where they kick in, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and if you redraw these curves at above threshold, you get something completely different. There is no tuning and, uh, anymore. That's, that's, cool. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's problematic, yes. So, uh, yeah, all these ideas that, you know, you have this broad tuning. Neatly organized, yes. No. But then, but then <laughs> uh, how did you end up finding this, this nucleus cuneus? Because um, uh, Henrik Jontel has uh, um, uh, spent his career on, on this, his uh, um, supervisor did, and, and I think the supervisor of uh, his supervisor also, so, so, so his lab has a, a profound knowledge of, of that organ, and, and working with uh, 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 Henrik is a, 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 an incredible pleasure, mm -hmm. because you... Uh, He's, he's, it's like his apartment, you know, he knows the place and where to put the needles. And no, because he's done amazing physiology. Yeah, yeah. and, and so, so it goes very fast because uh, of this, you know, half a century of, of accumulated knowledge. <coughs> mm -hmm. So, and, and it's, uh, uh, so there is no other place, as far as I can tell, that can redo uh, that fine, you know. Uh, so, so what you're uh, saying is, this, this nucleus cuneus is really like a almost the best of the membrane or the retina for it's the haptic system. Right, That's exactly. a metaphor, right? For, yeah, it's a metaphor, yeah. but it's more, uh, it's probably more true than it's, it's really a, a neurophysiological right. fact. Mm -hmm. You know, it's first order. How uh, many neurons does, does it contain? I don't know. In, I don't think anybody counted them for mm -hmm. uh, humans. Okay. In cats, it's by the millions. Huh? Okay. And 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 the uh, um, uh, connectivity is by the thousands. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really a powerful. Uh, uh, so you see the whole periphery being mapped to that to that, to that sheet. Yeah. And <laughs> then th there's also a certain topography to it, right? It, it has certain domains, or not. Yeah, you, you so talk about six domains, if I'm correct. What did I mix? It yeah, well, you have uh, body parts, okay. like like uh, you know the pads mm -hmm. and the <coughs> regions. But the the beauty of this architecture is that if you take one single of this, uh, um, no, you take one particular region on the anatomy, then you will have hundreds, if not thousands, of neurons scrutinizing the same place. So the, it's a stacked organization. Is, see what I mean? It's like you have uh, the re their receptive fields overlapped mm -hmm. by hundreds. Oh, really? Or thousands. Mm -hmm. I would say in a, in a human that's probably the case. Like, so you have a massive population mm -hmm. response for, the for a very local for, yeah. stimulus. And they're very large, mm -hmm. and then you have many. And then is the response on top. temporally structured? Highly, uh, for sure, yeah. Okay. 
for sure. And it does seem that actually the spiking mm -hmm. uh, train coming from the periphery, the, just the order of spikes is sorted out mm -hmm. by that network. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Which would explain things like, like Flanagan and, and Johansson uh, hypothesized. Like I do this and I feel a contact because they all come at the same moment. <coughs> right, exactly. But so, so would you, would you speculate that in the temporal structure of the population response, you are largely encoding whatever happens at the periphery? Yes, that's so it's not a kind of line, right? Not, not a, line. Yeah, exactly. The the specificity of receptors is completely lost mm -hmm. uh, because the uh, this uh, first order neurons collect everything that comes mm -hmm. from all the different type of uh, right. subtypes, uh, sub as called sub modalities, including and all the details we discussed earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, uh, so there is no segregation. What there is is segregation of inputs, mm -hmm. not segregation of, of neural signal. Right. It's actually a conversion. So that's also yeah. the compression stage, right? Yeah. You're compressing a lot of stuff. There. It has to be, yeah, it has mm -hmm. to be uh, like the retina does. And it yeah. also would suggest that then this population response is invariant to the actual location where the stimulus occurs if the stimulus is driving yeah. this whole set of sensors yeah, exactly. in a comparable way. Yeah, so that, yeah. And, and that's that's a consequence of the mechanics I was speaking over. Uh, and so that, that is why all animals have it, even a crocodile. Mm -hmm. uh, it has all these scales and it, yeah. they have to be integrated into one single uh, prey. Right. To, uh, so would you say that's the most primitive representation of the periphery of the body? That's the nucleus? Cubus? Yeah, I would say it's, I don't, yeah, the body is not represented. Huh? What is represented is the um, object that can Right, it's the interaction of it's the body really, with... It's really the possible outside. interactions, yeah. Okay, yeah. I understand. Okay, but okay. like sharp things or okay. uh, small, including small with things. itself, the body touches itself. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Part of it. which actually I can uh, uh, demonstrate right now. There is a beautiful illusion about this. Okay, so you give me this hand here, and you put it this way. Yeah, I do this. Mm -hmm. Now you take the other hand, mm -hmm. you do a pinch, and then you touch here, and then you rub. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now I have an extra finger, right? So. So that, yeah, exactly. So that particular uh, input uh, is very unusual. You never had it before. Right. And, and you probably, yeah, uh, cause the, I mean, it made you f uh, uh, illuminate your face immediately. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, uh, so uh, face illumination is a surprise. Mm -hmm. It's something that you never knew okay, sure. before. Yeah. And, and so there was nothing in, uh, 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 of course, you know, the, no the tactile input was completely normal. Right. But that's something abnormal, actually. In its, in its structure. In its yes. structure, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. But what's the future of this research on the this nucleus cuneus? Uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, we applied to different uh, programs uh, un uh, unsuccessfully, and uh, <coughs> for now, it's. Uh, there are um, uh, uh, some groups of uh, neuroscientists in the U.S. that have started putting um, like multiple electrodes, so that's that's interesting. But um, you don't get the same information as, as the single cell. Mm -hmm. uh, and and what uh, Henry can do is a patch clamp, mm -hmm. which is even more right. fine and uh, informative. <coughs> but. Okay, so it's a bit unclear mm. how much more we're going to learn about that structure in the short Before, period. yeah. yeah? Um, it would be very... Uh, uh, but 
Maybe it, it could be resuscitated if we uh, uh, could make a, a good argument that it has health consequences. Mm -hmm. that, uh, right. Uh, diabetes, I don't know, uh, mm -hmm. something like, yeah. like uh, neuropathies or... <coughs> it seemed Which to have... Likely, right? Yeah. It seemed like uh, 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 Henrik was talking about uh, it's, uh, a possible link to uh, Parkinson's which is not implausible because it's a, a direct uh, uh, provider of information to the basal ganglia. <coughs> really direct. So now philosophers over the last decades are more and more enthusiastic about sort of embodied perspectives on, yes. on everything. Yeah. Right? <coughs> and, and you read these really beautiful stories about it. Um, but there, it, it's in these analyses, you often get the feeling that, that people, the body is taken in a very literal sense, right? Like the body, the body is basically bounded by the skin. Mm -hmm. So, um, but now your research, where you look really at the body as defined through its actual, the sensors that are at its this periphery, mm -hmm. right? So how strictly would you draw this boundary of? The body well it does seem actually that the uh, this uh, uh, mental picture we have of a boundary you know from from uh, uh, if you want our um, abstract uh, understanding of physical object doesn't have much of a uh, uh, equivalent in, in cognition actually uh, uh, with another former postdoc we have this really interesting <laughs> experiment going about counting the number of sides of the skin. So the skin normally should have two, right? In and out. Well, it turns out that actually the number of sides of the skin is smaller than two. What does that mean? Well, it's, well, I'll give you the phenomenology, actually. Mm -hmm. If you uh, have an object that's rotating on the skin, it has a, an orientation mm -hmm. and that's unique to the side. So if you look at the skin from this side, it has a certain orientation. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you, from the other, the same stimulus will have another orientation. Well, it does seem that actually, if you, the same stimulus, if you turn your hand, mm -hmm. then the skin has, has only one side. So then it has some sort of uh, more global reference. Exactly, yeah. <coughs> What's the global reference? Uh, well, good, <laughs> yeah. So there are several hypotheses. Okay. Uh, uh, so we have a north and a south to have Yeah, uh, it could be visual. Mm -hmm. It could be the visual uh, uh, world. That's one possibility. Mm -hmm. It could be uh, completely um, object mm -hmm. uh, specified, which I think is probably a, a, a good way to think about. It really has nothing to do with the skin. It's about the uh, type of object that can create Right. This, this but that's what yeah. I was referring mm -hmm. to this experiment you described earlier with, with the wooden stick that the, the, the periphery of the body on its own is defined through this whole conglomerate of sensors and, and resonances that then are talking to the nucleus cuneus and talking and to the rest of the brain, right? <laughs> and whatever I do that is sort of system, systematically driving those sensors, the body seems to redefine itself as just incorporating in what then this physical self is. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, so yeah. I, if I take a stick, and as you described, I, yeah. I hit things with that stick, 
it will just drive the same resonance system for sure. that we described earlier. Yeah. And then the cuneus mm -hmm. and everything that follows says, okay, that's me. Yeah. Physically, this is yeah, me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so mm -hmm. physically, mm -hmm. but is this physical me, as you showed in your more recent experiment we will publish soon, um, you show that people can have very accurate predictions then about what the physical configuration is of this extension of the yes. body. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but now, can we push it one step further and say, I can also consider physical me as being discontinuous? Could I have, if I have... Discontinuous as, in the mechanical sense, the like mechanical having two... Sense, as long as I drive the sensor apparatus in, in some sense and all this multimodal uh, uh, I believe that's possible. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually do have a, 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 a set of experiments going in that direction mm -hmm. where you. Uh, so, this is more uh, really early, but uh, um, we are funded by a, a virtual reality company to look at that, mm -hmm. which has actually to. Um, uh, Elicit sensations that are um, owned without any mechanical connection, right. uh, mm -hmm. and uh, only uh, so the mechanical. I mean, the connection there is is case. It's uh, uh, okay. <coughs> we have shown that also at the task level. Yeah. So and it seems to be pretty good actually. Yeah. And the preliminary. Uh, but the consequence yeah. of this is really dramatic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> More dramatic than you can imagine, <laughs> because. We built a whole new house of cards of embodied cognition. Yeah. Where we say, oh, we're going to ground knowledge. We're going to solve the simple grounding problem and all that stuff. Because there's a body. Yeah, but there's the body the is... Embodied, uh, but now, <laughs> thanks to you, <laughs> the conclusion. But the body is a construct. It's not given. That's, a that's a, yeah, yeah right? that's what you uh, could uh, conclude actually. Mm -hmm. Actually, I have another counter example that's pretty good. I have to finish the paper with Jess on the, about, about this one. You ha you have an object and you ask people how big it is. Yeah. So you have two bigger, smallest fingers, and then uh, uh, you put it here on the left side with the other hand, and then uh, it feels a little smaller. Mm -hmm. So that's nothing surprising, you know. The one hand is a little mm -hmm. has a different calibration, if you want. Right. And then we realize actually that's not true. It's not the hand that matters, it's the hemispace. Ah, cool. Mm -hmm. this so you have exactly the same bias if you put the object here and you use the right hand or the left hand, it doesn't matter, it's because it's there. But yeah. then, then you have the haptic equivalent of, of the snark effect. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right, where you also know there's, there's a bias in the magnitude Estimates uh, right, exactly. Dependent yeah. on which hands you're using to make the choice. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So would you buy that? This is so the generalization to Stark effect. You you could, yeah, you could. Uh, it definitely goes into the discussion mm -hmm. uh, of that. But but what I was pointing at is that actually, yeah, the the tactile experience of the object is really related to where it is and, and constructed. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that's fantastic. So so now 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 you have demolished embodied cognition as well good <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that, that you do you also really worry about applying the science right to build applications with it um, um, yes like, like, I've, I've been doing this for a long time yeah and in some mm. sense also it's, mm. it's, it's building the devices and the applications that is also I think informing and feeding back into the science 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No for sure. Yeah, that, that's that. that's a way of life. Uh, actually, this this button here, like you have on iPhone. Yeah. The home button. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's actually a haptic effect. Huh? Sure. Uh, I I did publish that many many years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, actually Apple was very nice to me. They invited me as a, in a VIP situation and yeah. it was great. You got a t-shirt. I got a t-shirt. <laughs> no, I got an, an iWatch. <laughs> <laughs> and you went for it, right? <laughs> well, what can you do? <laughs> exactly. They're a trillion dollar company and but, you got a t-shirt. But they were, they were quite, you know, uh, they called me ahead of time, like two years before the product came. Oh, that's uh, nice. It was nice, yeah. Okay, that's good. No, they are, they are, I think they are, it's a fair company. They, okay, yeah, they're trying, <laughs> yeah. I agree. But I think from an ethics perspective, this is not a discussion. It's very difficult to speak of a fair company. Right? Yeah. But, um, okay, so, so you do build these applications. Where do you see this go? How, where do you see the impact that these haptic systems are going to have in the future? Like how will it change our life? Well, uh, so the... The, the, the home button is gone now. I have an iPhone 10, no more home button. It's still vibrating once in a while, but the home button is not there. So what? Oh, oh, oh well, that's a functional. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but the home button now is, uh, um, you know, will show up on on uh, gas stoves and uh, <coughs> so that's 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 one you know one. Uh, so what's a real revolution? How is going to change the way we deal with the world and each other? Well, well. Uh, the, the movie theater took half a century to mm -hmm. to really I mean it was a, a, a curiosity for a long time and it it's only after the war that it became uh, an important uh, I mean no it did become the war but it, it really exploded uh, uh, and, and then the so you say I have to ask you again it, uh, it will it will take a long time yeah before you have really a, yeah so you have not a specific <laughs> development path to to create that revolution, the haptics revolution? Well, uh, well uh, revolutions are never predicted. <laughs> I know you live in Paris, it's fine. <laughs> but still, you can try. <laughs> so we're trying, but uh, yeah, like no, no, mo no, 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 mundane applications for, yeah. for sure is very important. Okay. They will come very, uh, in, in, in massive. Right. So it's not going to be the holodeck, uh, no, but mundane. No, okay, I understand. No, that, that's cool. That, that's also our roadmap. Yeah. Simple stuff. Simple, really yeah. Get into the real world. Right? Yeah. And also see how people will use it. Yes. So, so, yeah. so we made quite a tour here through the haptics world, which is extremely uh, mysterious, interesting, and exciting. And, and you've been hammering away at this for quite a while, no? very systematically. Uh, How are you doing this? Uh, so, my... Um, uh, um, original uh, career goal was robotics as you know and I did I did, uh, uh, was involved in the almost the first force control robot way back at Purdue University in force the, load. it was really force so essentially you had you know strain gauges in the in okay. the, in the harmonic drives actually okay. it was a really nice robot never all the ones I see now are actually worse. <laughs> I, I could show you a movie. It's a way I see that robot. It actually, uh, you know, it tracks with uh, 
uh, hard surfaces, no problem, no stability. There wasn't mm -hmm. a, and it, it worked so well. I thought it was not a problem, <laughs> you know, it's like right. not interesting. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and then I drifted uh, and then what happens is that I got um, a bit frustrated by the rate of progress in robotics uh, I was doing like straight manipulation a lot of software uh, mechanical engineering new structures ultralight arms and stuff like that uh, and then one day um, a, a colleague of mine came uh, to my office from the research institute in Quebec and say, oh, I have a great idea. Uh, I'm working uh, on, the, there's a problem. Uh, the blind community uses Braille to mostly for uh, um, lit uh, literacy and also for work. And, and uh, uh, so far the computer works where uh, um, motivated by the fact that you had line commands like Unix and, and DOS. And so you had a lot, quite a lot of uh, blind folks who would actually be system managers and programmers mm -hmm. because, you know, essentially lines is what you can do. Yeah. LFCD, okay. And then came Windows yeah. and then boom. They screwed everything <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, it was really not wanted, but it, it was, so it's, I have an idea. Effect, yeah. uh, let's turn the window screen into something you can touch. Mm -hmm. And so we went to see a small uh, 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 accessibility company in Quebec, which still exists actually. Uh, it's one of the biggest actually in the world now. And, and we uh, proposed actually to uh, make a device that would let uh, blind users feel the screen. And, and then uh, I remember they gave us $5,000 to do that as a, you know, and I milked some money from the space agency and, and, then, uh, and then we actually made the stuff. It worked beautifully with a small robot that big and then you would touch it mm -hmm. and, um, and then you would actually uh, feel the, all the icons and uh, you know, the desktop very nicely. And, uh, and, and then, and then I, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I could use my engineering um, you know, acumen for making it work well. And then another guy called uh, Bill Buxton, no, uh, Felton, it was a lot of fun and he wanted one. And, um, and, then, and then after that, I never went back, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, How long ago was that? That was actually in 91. Mm -hmm. Okay. How did you get rid of the, the Windows paperclip in Bry? The paperclip troll, but then would help you. Right? <laughs> 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 but it was really interesting, like an anecdote, but many anecdotes are interesting. When you gave that device to the uh, blind users, so in, uh, in your uh, visual desktop, you would align the uh, icons like in columns, like in a grid. But the uh, uh, blind users, that they would feel the icons and push them around they would have you know a tactile sensation to them and they would be radiocentric so the most important would be in the middle and the less important would be on the side mm -hmm. so it was uh, uh, very different from a, right. a visual world yes. it was really a haptic world which yeah. is uh, and and then we d uh, there's a lot actually of, of well uh, haptic uh, is also more serial uh, or linear search right it's, so it's not linear it's very random access or random access yeah, yeah. vision no i think that's the wrong uh, uh, 
it's not exactly a correct. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, you can tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, vision is also uh, uh, serial because you saccade and, and search, but it does it at essentially 300 faster than the hand. No, no, wait. Okay, but but I can. So I you can, you can actually I scan can more rapidly. Yeah. Also change right. direction. There's more inertia in my. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So so the dynamics yeah, of vision right. are so okay. fast. Yeah, they're, they're comparable. Yeah. But the time constants are radically. Different. And in fact, you can do that in the lab. If you slow down uh, vision, like right. like touch, you get the similar. But yeah. In my defense, I could then say vision could approximate random access. Yeah. 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 But it, it it's it's really but a matter of speed. The real question yeah. is that. So this is 30 plus years in haptics yeah. <laughs> and, and I, for some reason the, fel the field is still sort of in its beginnings, right? a lot to be done. So what is Vincent's law if we want to make some progress here? What, what law should we follow? What's Vincent's law? Oh, uh, in, in, in the uh, um, engineering side? In understanding, engineering, you choose to have, to, to, to have impact with, with, in this domain. Uh, well, that's that's pretty tough. Uh, yeah, so do th um, things that work. <laughs> like you never know that. Um, overselling is a big problem. Okay. Uh, like in robotics, uh, uh, there's a lot of that, a lot of uh, claims, mm -hmm. and 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 very little uh, delivery. <coughs> So, get real so, so the overselling is very dangerous because it um, uh, makes people tired or bias uh, bias negatively. <coughs> so, so that's the piece of advice: don't oversell. Mm -hmm. Be you know. Uh, Be real. Stick real. to the facts. Yeah, stick to the fact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. And then, okay, if I'm gonna go up to Paris and um, visit you four years from now, what's the one prediction you would like to see? thoroughly tested in that time frame that's essential to your program uh so i have um yeah uh i think it will be possible to reduce the yeah you were asking about principles the um at least a certain aspect of principle to a uh, um, countable amount of uh, uh, invariance like and they could be uh, uh, biomechanical they could be uh, physiological or they could be mechanical or uh, drawn from the laws of physics I, uh, but I think there is not an infinite number of them there is not more than the one in vision they have been well uh, uh, researched so that's that's a prediction I could make that you could actually put them down in a you know, a discrete matter. <coughs> but you're not predicting yeah. what the invariances are. Well, I know quite a few, like okay. like the one I, I showed, like about the curvature. That's mm -hmm. a, that's a good one. Uh, but they are they are. Um, so you think that? Yeah, there's the, sufficient. It will be a handful. It will be like a handful. Yeah. Invariance. Yeah. <coughs> very good. Right. Mr. Hayward, thank you very much for this yep. conversation. <coughs> Pleasure. The CSN podcast was produced by the Convergent Science Network of Biomedics and Biohybrid Systems, a project funded by the European 7th Research Framework Programme. For more interviews, recorded lectures, or upcoming conferences in the field of biomedics and biohybrid systems, 
go to csnnetwork.eu. And thank you for listening.